Welcome to another episode of Marketplace Masters, brought to you by Merchant Spring, the leading marketplace analytics platform for agencies and investors. Marketplace Masters is all about going deeper into the challenges marketplace agencies and sellers face with the aim of providing practical answers and insights to help them scale. I'm your host, Paul Sonnefeld, and today we are exploring how to find, train, and scale human talent as an Amazon agency or a marketplace aggregator. To help us work through this topic, I have invited Daniel Tejada to join us and share his expertise. So let me introduce today's guest. Daniel Tejada began his career in advertising on Amazon in 2016. He has since spent over 50 million on Amazon ads personally and sold over 1 billion worth of products on the platform. Daniel is the co-founder and chief learning officer at Straight Up Growth, an advertising and growth agency that manages $40 million worth of ad spend on Amazon with over $400 million in sales on Amazon this year. Thank you for being on the show today, Daniel. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's, uh, you know, this is a topic, but today we're talking about talent, uh, hiring. It's a topic that certainly... Um, very, very close uh, to many agencies. Uh, and maybe I, I thought I'd ask you first, you run an agency, start, uh, straight up growth. What does your talent pool look like? How do you guys structure in terms of uh, people? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we, uh, we have an interesting situation. We started actually right before COVID uh, in, in February. So uh, originally we were planning to, you know, hire locally, uh, have an office, uh, obviously COVID hit, so that, that uh, changed some things. So we are 100% remote with almost 30 employees right now. Uh, we do have a mix of some abroad folks, which we do have specific types of roles that we would use for abroad. A lot of that's gonna come for like our development work. Um, we've got some software that we are building in the app, uh, backend for Amazon's API, our web dev stuff. Uh, we, we tend to use like actually the Ukraine's a really good spot. Um, I know there's some, <laughs> Uh, situations there, but um, really, really good development work there. And then really all of our work that has to do with execution for Amazon, managing clients, uh, that we do 100% remote, but in the U.S. specifically for, for a lot of those tasks. Yeah, yeah. And what do you see right now in terms of the market? Uh, I know last year there was a real crunch for talent, or maybe not, probably say three, four months ago. Uh, what are you seeing right now? How would you describe the state of the market? Yeah, great question. So I think you hit the nail on the head, like especially with you know how hot the aggregator space got and Amazon in general, there was a huge kind of crunch for talent and just honestly not a lot of not a large supply um, for for folks on the Amazon front. I'd say in the past couple of months, it's maybe slowed down a little bit, uh, but it is definitely still very hyper competitive, particularly you know when it comes to uh, to Amazon there. Uh, I think a big part of it is uh, Amazon's still growing. You know, I think the Amazon agencies are still growing. While the aggregators have slowed down, um, you know, there's been some layoffs. There's still more agencies popping up every single day. Um, and then you have a lot of traditional agencies that want to get into Amazon, right? So they're trying to pick off a lot of the, the strong talent. Um, so developing your own talent is something that I'm 
pushing really hard as well. It's like hiring folks that are junior, um, you know, have the right, let's say, skill sets, even though they may not have the expertise on the Amazon side of things. And I find training that way uh, can be a way to cut through, you know, some of the tightness in, in the job market. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly uh, still uh, a challenging situation. So uh, you know, you have built uh, you know very impressively this. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've had help, uh, but yeah. your business is being it's only a few years old. You've already scaled to 30 people. I'm sure you've come across the decision many times in terms of how to hire, where to hire. So let's talk about you know where to hire and this big question, right? Local versus remote. You know, you guys, I think you're based in San Diego. Um, yep. How do you decide, you know, do you want people in the office? Do you want remote? Uh, how do you think about that? So great question. So initially we, we did try to hyper-focus on, on local, right? You know, being able to get a little bit more in-person. There's definitely some advantages to that. Uh, but especially as, you know, the market got really tight and just, you know, being in San Diego, we just got limited, you know, by, by the available folks there. We now are 100% remote, like really anywhere based in the U.S. So I've got a pocket like in Utah. I've got a pocket in uh, New Jersey, a um, couple other places there. Uh, now, there's definitely some challenges with it, but I do find that, you know, having a 100% remote workforce does provide some positives. Uh, one, you get access to a bigger talent pool, right? So you're not just limited to folks that are close to you, but being able to hire people in Utah or, you know, in New York and things like that has definitely, uh, definitely been helpful. Um, it does provide for a little bit more options. So I'm not as limited with maybe trying to hire someone that isn't necessarily the right fit, but being open there. Uh, now there are some, I'd say, disadvantages, like, you know, nothing replaces in person, I think, for just like really getting a lot of stuff done, right? So we still, uh, we'll do things like fly everyone out, um, do in-persons a couple times a year just to make sure we're still building that personal connection. Uh, we do, you know, kind of like team activities, make sure we chat a lot. And I think building a personal relationship with your employees is even more important if you're going remote versus local because you don't get that day-to-day -day interaction, right, that casual chat. So you have to kind of force it in a way. Um, I think that's really a key to making it, uh, it work. Uh, and then trust. Trust is a big one, right? Like at the end of the day, you can't necessarily see what they're they're working on, so you have to hire people that you you trust, and uh, you know you can't babysit them. You know, got to give them achievable, kind of measurable goals, uh, but kind of give them the flexibility to to make sure that they can hit those. Yeah, so uh, actually, I want to push you a little bit more on trust because that's something that's easily bandied around, and actually, I think yeah. very hard to do. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you do? you do with your team, you know, the people that report directly into you that are, that are uh, perhaps based from like, you know, so how, how do you trust? Great question. I think one big thing is we set expectations for employees to slow roll their kind of entry. So even someone that let's say is a little bit more senior has some experience, we're not going to get them to their full client load or their full workload right away we're going to kind of pace it out, right? And really it's gonna take five to six months for them to start really hitting their major efficiencies, but that makes sure we don't have to give away everything right away, right? We can have them start to work on little bits of the business. We can kind of measure and make sure that they're achieving those things. And then we start to essentially give them more and more of that kind of workload. Um, that's kind of a way where we can measure 
how trustworthy are they, right? You know, uh, like, are they able to achieve it? Or maybe there's even gaps in what they have, right? Maybe they came in with the assumption that they know how to do this, but when you actually hire them and after a couple months, you realize that they don't know how to do that, right? But now we can focus our training on that effort um, and things like that. And what about the, um, I mean, it's a, this could be a, a topic on its own, yeah. but, you know, I think the fear that many agencies have is, you know, say you have an account manager, they're working remote, you know, their job may be very similar uh, to, you know, a role at another agency, um, you know, and how do you move from that, you know, transactional nature, uh, which makes it quite easy to switch and just wait for the better offer to come along, you know, yeah. particularly really competitive market, uh, you know, versus actually building that sense of belonging and loyalty, you know, and I know they're not sort of, you know, one word answers to these, but how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I mean, for us, there's one thing that we emphasize like more than anything, and that's really learning, um, whether it's the client learning or actual employees themselves. But we do like an incredible amount of training um, compared to like previous spots that I've been at um, there. And the reason we're doing it is like our uh, kind of internal slogan is we want to help good people learn great skill sets to become even better people, right? We really want to emphasize that learning piece and I think a lot of our employees stick with us for that piece, right? It's not just a job. Uh, we're here to really invest in you guys, uh, help you guys grow. I know those folks are going to take that and figure out ways to make more money from it down the line, you know, as I did myself. But along the way, right, it creates stickier employees, I'd say, because it's not just about, you know, what we're paying you. It's about the skill sets that we're able to to teach you, right? And Obviously, it helps me, you know, helps us as well. So it's it's definitely a win-win situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the hiring strategy. Let's say you know you've taken on a, a set of new clients. You need to hire some new account manager or, or creative types to uh, to deliver. What's your what's your go-to strategy or your go-to mechanism for hiring and identifying? great talent and it already sounds like you've got a bit of a preference to build talent from the ground up you don't necessarily need people who've done this for 15 years but you're looking for potential and talent yeah so i i think we run both right so sometimes it's going to be you know we always have a junior pool going right so we almost always have some interns um or kind of more junior level folks that we're training um a lot of those come from like referrals right just folks that have worked with us or have friends and things like that like employees tend to actually give you some pretty good um, leads from time to time. Uh, but another thing that I think is really a great tool is LinkedIn, right? Um, LinkedIn, we use for talent, we use it for you know, landing clients, uh, but we always, almost always have like an ad running on LinkedIn, for example, for roles that just ensures that we're getting kind of resumes kind of constantly flowing um, because there is a time that we do need senior folks as well, right? And so we are kind of, like what we'll usually have like a junior and a more senior role kind of running it out at all times. So we have a pool that we can at least start to work off of. Um, and in extreme circumstances, sometimes you need to bring in a recruiter from time to time. I, like usually that's going to be for more senior level roles. Um, and when we're kind of on a, on a quick time crunch, because there's, you know, little sprints in, in sales that can happen, um, you know, dropping, uh, I know it's expensive, but, but sometimes it, it can be helpful to have, um, you know, just as a way to look through all those resumes, right? Because that can be uh, an issue. We also have like a scoring system we've created. So any kind of like between first we get our resumes, but for our actual interviews, 
we have a whole basically scoring system that we'll, we'll use and that helps us uh, kind of identify who we want to hire right now, but also we can go back to the scorecard to find out like, oh, we really like this person. We weren't able to hire them on this round. Let's see if they're still available, right? Or sometimes they have, they know people that are available, um, even if they've gotten another role or things like that. Yeah. Is there anything um, non you know unconventional that you use during your interviewing and recruiting process? Uh, during the interview process, yes. Uh, I'd say our recruiting process is, is not too crazy, but um, I think a lot of people um, are worth more than what it says on their resume. So like one of my questions that I say is a joke question, but is really not a joke question is what flavor ice cream, like if you were an ice cream flavor, what flavor would you be and why, right? Which doesn't directly have to do with um, any of the roles that we're hiring. Uh, but what it allows me to see is how someone answers that question can show me how they're able to learn something new, right? Or be able to to overcome a problem on the spot, right? We're looking for that kind of critical thinking. Uh, and I know it's a really silly question, but it helps me a lot, right? If someone's like, I'm vanilla because I'm vanilla, I'm like, all right, well, that's probably not a very, you know, enthusiastic or, or clever person. But when someone comes in and they're like, I'm caramel because, you know, I'm half Hispanic and I'm uh, you know, gringo, I'm like the best of both worlds, right? Something like that. Like, I'm like, right. there you go. That, that's clever. I like it. Uh, uh. Very interesting. I'll have to use that one. I'm, I might plagiarize that question. Uh, hey, you my... should. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I stole it from someone too. So, uh, but I love it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on to another really pressing topic, right? You're an agency, you're growing, you're looking at your pipeline and going, right. If all of these deals convert, I have no idea way to, to deliver it, but if, yep. if I don't convert, then I'm, I've got this additional wage bill that I'm dealing with, right? So hiring, when to hire, you know, to hire aggressively or not, how do you think about that question? Yeah, no, great question. And it's something that we've, you know, toyed around being conservative. We've been aggressive, uh, definitely learned a lot through, through both. Um, I think a couple things is one, trying to figure out how to accurately forecast your sales, right? You're going to have a pipeline. Um, trying to figure out with some semblance of, of accuracy, it doesn't have to be perfect, but having a system where you can start to predict the type of deal flow that you're looking for, um, definitely a good way to start basing some of your, your hiring decisions. Uh, the other thing I will definitely say is it's better to have too much help than not enough. Um, so I do try to lean on um, trying to be overstaffed and under. A big part of that as well is any hire you make, right? Um, especially like, you know, your agency is going to have a different mold than someone else, right? And you guys might do things differently. So even if you're hiring someone experienced, I know that there's a ramp up period. And so if I'm hiring that person, when I need to hire that person, it, I'm already probably too late to really properly introduce them, right? You also want to make sure as you're bringing them in, employees in, I like to have them sort of a soft entry, right? I don't want them to come in and be like, hey, here's all your clients, that, like here's 30 clients right off the bat um, and we're having these fires and please take care of this right away, right? I want them to be able to ease their way in, really learn the why we do what we do um, and then start to ramp them up. So being a little bit more aggressive as possible. Um, I know it can hurt the margin sometimes in the short term, but at the end of the day, you know, to scale your, your business, it's really going to come down to uh, the employees themselves, right? There's only one of me uh, and there's only so many hours in the day. And so at the end of the day, me being a little bit more 
uh, aggressive in some of my hiring will enable me to go ahead and, and focus on, on achieving the growth itself, right? Growth is usually easier. It's, it's the servicing the clients, in my opinion, that gets, uh, that's trickier. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to go back to some of the things you've already mentioned before about how you manage a, a remote team. We spoke about building trust, loyalty, building personal relationships. And you did also mention about getting together a couple of times a year. That's mm -hmm. the topic I just want to hone in on. Um, can you talk me through maybe an example of uh, how you've got the team together or how you plan to get them together and, and how do you plan to spend that time, you know, when you're in the same location. Uh, great great question. Maybe uh, the agenda for that event. Or yeah. So uh, next month we're going to uh, fly everyone out to San Diego, right? So it'll be like almost 30 people there. Typically what we do is, you know, we're putting them all in the same hotel um, there so they can all kind of, you know, hang out and sort of interact there. Uh, I like to have some scheduled activities, but also, you know, give, what I just basically call like free play, right? Like usually a couple of days where they're out here and they don't necessarily have an agenda, right? Part of it is we live in San Diego. It's a cool spot. I think it's, it's good for people to be able to go to the beach and stuff like that. Um, but it also allows them to like kind of make friends with each other too, right? So certain groups of employees will like go to dinners or go to lunch or whatever they might want to do. Um, for us in regards to like, like we don't tend to do tons of work when they are here right so i know some people when they do those retreats it's really focused on like you know building a lot of things we tried to really build relationships during that time frame because we're uh you know we are remote and we're doing work all the time together right so having that that more fun play so we'll do like typically like a lot of like cool dinners like i know for july uh i'm gonna rent like a big yacht and like get everyone to like ride on a boat with, together which i think will be a cool uh cool activity um some people like, you know, uh, some people are older, have more families, right? They may not want to go like out in downtown San Diego, right? So like, we'll want to make sure that I've got some activities that like people are interested in, like maybe go rock climbing or laser tagging or just things that are just kind of like fun, silly. Uh, in the last year, we for Christmas, we all went to the beach and played football and stuff like that, which was fun. Um, and then usually we'll do like uh, my little trick that I always do is like toast. Um, I'm really big on people, everyone speaking at least once during the event, even if they're not people that like to talk a lot, like I'll usually have them go and give a little toast, right? Even if it's something small. Um, and then my thing that I do is like this, uh, sort of like a, a Mad Libs, but basically choose three words and then I'll give a speech on the spot around the kind of topics like for everyone. And so it's, it's fun times, uh, but having fun. That's really what we focus on during those, those in-person. It sounds certainly like a like a great great time together, you know. And there's always this push to try and be productive and do a lot of training, and you know, uh, yeah, not giving a space for relationships. So I love how you, you know, are very very protective of that. That's that's really great. Yeah, I, no, I think I think that's that's a fun part. And uh, one thing I would add is like uh, some of my serious chats I'll have like in person, right? Like little things that I like want. You know, like I see a manager that I, I want them to, to really focus on a certain area, right? I might save that for in person rather than, uh, like if I have the opportunity, right? Rather than, yeah. than doing it on, on video chat. So. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Which which led me to, look, a final question in relation to this topic, which was how do you recognize and reward great performance? Because right? it's not as visible sometimes when people are working remotely. Um, there's yes. less office chatter. 
things are less visible. So how do you how do you identify and you know visibly reward or recognize um, you know people who deserve that? I think that's a great question. So one, you know, we, we do like a monthly, uh, all of the employees can essentially submit uh, who they feel is like the star for the month um, there. So we do have that um, piece that we'll do kind of on a monthly basis. Uh, we do also have kind of a weekly, called the weekly all hands, all arms, all legs chat, which is uh, meant to kind of make sure that the team knows what's going on. So we'll have like company announcements, uh, and one of the things we also love to do is like call out specific employees during that time frame, right? So like really great job on this account. Um, and it doesn't just come from me, which is cool because every single person on the, on the call uh, on our team has to speak during that call. Um, and so it's good to see everyone else like calling each other out. So having that kind of environment where we definitely like call out publicly, I think is really important. Um, you know, private, private uh, encouragement is also good. I think too, like, you know, coming from the owner, like if I if I see one of my employees, even like an intern that's doing a good job, I'll, I'll reach out to them on Slack and I'll be like, I saw you doing that. Great job. Right. Like even if I'm not talking to them every day, I'm still watching. Right. And just letting them know when I when I see something good. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. man. Thank you. Hey, let's change gears and just talk shop for two minutes. And of course, it's uh, it's the middle of June now as we record this. Uh, still no official date from Amazon on Prime Day. Uh, Put you on the spot right now. What insights do you have for us? You know, if you're a betting man, what 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 date would you pick? By the I way, July is my birthday. What day is? The 11th of July. 11th of July. I, if I was a betting man, would consider the 18th and the 19th to be the days that Prime Days are going to happen uh, this year of July. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, 18th and 19th. Uh, we'll see if I'm right, but I think I am. That's uh, that's that's quite late, right? That's a little bit later than usual, I think. A little, it's it's delayed about a week from the normal time there. Um, but yeah, based on what I'm I'm hearing on my end, I think it's going to be a week later. Yeah, awesome. Well, time will tell. Um, but more importantly, what are you doing, or you know, of course, what is your team doing, working with your brands, your clients to help? Turn Prime Day into yeah. No, great question. So Prime Day planning actually starts like uh, usually about two months ago, essentially, right? You want to start, like if you're running any of your uh, Prime Day deals specifically, there's certain deals that, that work really well, like lightning deals or deal of the days. Those have to be submitted usually like two, three months before Prime Day. Um, so most really Prime Day planning starts then. Uh, we'll submit some deals. Amazon doesn't give you the date of the deal till or the time till a week before, right? So you're in this limbo, you know, if you've gotten accepted for a deal, there's other kind of backup deals you're gonna start planning, like things like coupons. Um, promotions are key, right? Uh, I, like if you do not run a deal on, or, or a coupon or something on Prime Day, you will not see a list in sales. It just does not happen. Uh, people are shopping on Amazon during that time frame specifically for the bargains themselves. So, you know, that's one of the, the things that we'll definitely tell brands because some brands don't want a discount and that's okay, but we make sure they have, those ha they have the expectations that they're not going to see a lift, right? If, if anything, you usually see less sales that day because of the fact that you're not doing uh, promotions. So promotion setup is key. The other piece is really ensuring you have visibility on that day, right? Because you know, it doesn't matter how good your product is, 
how many reviews you have, how good the discount is if people can't find the product itself. So really building your organic placements is key ahead of time. Um, so we'll start to like really sprint on spend, not just like the week of Prime Day, we'll probably start four weeks leading up to Prime Day, right? And the, the whole goal is try to get yourself as strong organic positions as possible on your, your key search terms so that when Amazon does have that, you know, 3X, 5X lift in search volume, you're very available, right? And you have that deal there. So um, that's a big key. Um, Amazon's expensive, right? From a acquisition cost these days, it's getting more and more expensive. So the other thing is to try to concentrate the products that you're focused on, right? Like the more products you launch, the more ad dollars you're gonna have. So for Prime Day, there's definitely a less is more part of that. So going through, you know, with your, your brands and making sure that you are um, identifying the right products to promote during that time frame is, is going to be key as well. Great. Well, thank you for uh, for sharing those Prime Day tips, Daniel. Uh, we are out of time, so let's let's wrap it up there. Um, thank you, Daniel, for joining me. Uh, you know, we spoke a lot about hiring talent, finding the right talent, managing them, especially remotely. Um, you know, and it all starts with uh, having the right people on the team. So, thank you for sharing your insights, uh, your experience, your journey. Um, you know, for any viewers that are interested in exploring your services, you know, what is the best way to uh, to get in touch? Yeah, they can uh, reach out directly on our website, straightupgrowth.com. Um, can also find us on LinkedIn. We are all over that. Send me a message directly at you know, Daniel Tejada uh, on LinkedIn and happy to uh, set, set up another conversation. I believe uh, you may also have... Um, I think you've got a special offer for um, listeners of this podcast. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we do these pretty awesome uh, Amazon audits. We take a look at the last 60 days of your advertising and business report data and put together a pretty ridiculous analysis for you guys. Um, so we do those for free for you guys here, for the listeners. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, it's a great way for us to take a look and give you a lot of actionable insight, not just fluffy stuff as to uh, what's going on, but things like your wasted spend, your branded versus non-branded, should you be ranking, um, all sorts of fun stuff. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Daniel. And uh, till next time. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Paul. That's it for uh, episode of Marketplace Masters. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget to visit Merchant Spring to access exclusive offers only available to viewers of this show. Uh, till next time.